What's up, South Bay? I want to welcome you guys to week two of Blood, Sweat, and Tears. And if you're joining us online, we want to welcome you. So, hey, Mom, Dad, love you guys. And we're so glad you're here with us. And during this series, we are looking at the life of King David, found in the Old Testament of the Bible. And during this, we're primarily focusing towards men. But let me say this, ladies, the goal here is not to diminish you, to make you feel left out. But our hope is that maybe this will help you understand the men that you love just a little bit more. Also, one of the things that we recognize is that you're going to pull things from this that you can apply to your life. And generally, women, you're a little quicker to respond to God. I mean, you get these things. You pick things up quicker. You're just more intuitive. You know, you grab these things a little bit faster. And sometimes for us men, we just need somebody who's going to stand up and say, dude, I'm talking to you and talk to us. And so we hope that through this series, that it is one that helps you understand men, helps you understand how they think, relate to them, but you can apply things to your life as well. But before we jump into our topic today, I want to be able to share some news with you as our church family. Um, As many of you know, I'm married to a beautiful woman named Kendall, and we have two, yeah, yeah, that's my girl. We have two wonderful daughters, one named Ella, who is three, one who's 19 months, little Avery that is, is just full-on awesome and crazy. Um, but we are, wanted to share with you that number three is on the way. So we're excited for that. I want to share it with you guys. And it's fitting that I'm able to speak today during our man series because number three is a man. Yeah. We did it. And we're so excited, both of us are so excited to be having this boy coming in August and looking forward to the adventures of what that is going to mean to our family dynamic as we approach that. If you have a boy, I'll be looking for advice later on. But as we look into today for our talk, we want to look at one of the most well-known events in the life of David. And this happened before David became king. This is the one that many of you have probably even heard of, and it's when David would go out and fight against the giant Goliath. But before we jump into talking through what happens here, I want us just to stop and think about our own lives for a minute to maybe help this passage apply to us just a little bit. Many of us have or are facing giants in our life. Maybe you're not facing a physical giant like a Goliath who is standing right in front of you, but maybe there is that person. Maybe it's a mental giant, an emotional giant, a spiritual giant. But we will face these giants in our lives. And they will be the ones that that stand in front of us and in front of our life. And and they almost hold us in bondage. It's the giant that crushes the dreams that we have. It's the one that stands there in front of us saying, you can't do it. You don't have what it takes. You're not good enough. And often for men, I think some of these these giants that we face, and ladies, maybe you can relate to this, one of these giants is the fear of failure. A lot of us have this pressure of, do I have what it takes to be successful? Will I screw it up is a question that we wrestle with. I mean, I I carry some of this when it comes to just the finances for our family. I mean, if I lose my job, how am I going to provide? In the Bay Area, how in the world are we going to figure the housing solution out? You know, rent, every year it comes around, you're like, oh no, it's gone up again. The housing market goes up like crazy, and all my friends back on the East Coast, they can't even fathom what it's like here. 
I, I carry that weight. I carry the weight of what if I screw up our retirement and one day we get old, we go to retire and we don't have the money. And, and, and I know these are all things that some of you are like, that's not a big deal. But, but it's a fear and anxiety, that a giant that can stand in front of me if I let it. There's the fear of failure. There's also the giant of our past failures. Men, you know, that look that your wife gives you when you've done that again, and you just go, yep. You know that time when you sit down with your boss and they keep pointing back to that project, and you go, yep. That time with that addiction or that sin that you just tried to get over, but it kept pulling you back down, knocking you back down. You couldn't get it out of your life. And now when you go into facing these giants, you sit here and you look at this whole past track record of all your failures and all you can see is that. And you're like, man, I can't do it. We also have the giant of our identity scars that we carry. So many people I talk to as adults, it starts from the time that they are a boy even a girl, the identity scars from a parent. They never spoke into my life. They never told me they loved me. They never told me they believed in me. I never had a dad in my home who modeled for me what it meant to be a man and taught me and, and raised me in that way. And it's the giants that we face in our lives that will crush the dreams and the life out of us. They'll rob our joy. They'll steal our purpose. They'll attack our identity. But you know what? There is hope for us. There is hope for us as we face our giants. And that's what we're going to see today as we look at this account of David taking on Goliath. Now, this passage, 1 Samuel 17, where this takes place, is pretty long. So we're not going to be able to go through everything in it today. And I want to encourage you, maybe later this week, to take the Bible and look it up on your phone and read through 1 Samuel 17, because there is a lot in this that we can pull from and apply to our lives. And so maybe you want to read through it later on this week. But what I'm going to do is give us some summary, help us understand what's going on. And we're going to pull out a couple observations and three keys that we can use to facing our giants in our life. This account starts in 1 Samuel 17, where the stage is set for an epic battle. The Philistine nation had gathered up their army and was coming against the nation Israel, ready to attack. So Israel gathers up their army, and they come out. And here are both armies camped up on the hills. There's a valley in between them. I just try and picture this scene like this. You've got the armies on each hill. There's the, the green grass down inside of the valley that's blowing in the wind. There's the tents that are up on each hill. There's the flags that mark each company and division within the army. There's the smell of the campfires that you can smell blowing in the wind across this valley. There's the, the clank of metal as they get their swords and their armor and their gear ready for battle. And each army poised, ready, waiting for somebody to make the mover, waiting for that command to charge. And it says, here are the armies sitting on these hills. But out from the Philistines comes a man, a champion, and his name is Goliath. Now, the writer of this account goes on to give a description of Goliath and to say that this is literally one of the biggest men they have ever seen. I mean, this is, is one of the biggest guys I've ever seen. I just imagine the way it comes out. When, whenever Goliath starts to walk out, you probably just hear this hush begin to go across the nation of Israel. And they just all kind of stop. 
and they start to look. You know, it's like when the sports bus pulls up and the team's getting off, and then all of a sudden you see that guy get off the bus, you know, and everybody just kind of goes. Then you start to look at each other, and you're like, oh, no. Who's got that guy? That's a big dude. Dude, you got, I ain't got, I don't know. You know, they start to talk, and they start to go through this. So I want us to try and get a picture of how big Goliath is. And many times when we think about some of the biggest guys we've ever seen, maybe you think about a movie star, maybe you think about uh, an athlete. So we've got a few pictures to help us try and understand maybe how big Goliath really is. So the first one we've got is Vin Diesel. Many of you may have seen Vin Diesel before. I mean, he's a pretty big dude. You know, there he is rocking the tank top, got some guns. But what happens when you take Vin Diesel and put him beside the rock? Let's look at this. Vin Diesel just got a lot smaller when you compare him to The Rock. But let's take The Rock and let's put The Rock beside Shaq. Where'd he go? He's gone. Now, you see how big Shaq is. Shaq is a big dude. Let's take Shaq and put him next to Yao Ming. Shaq looks like a baby. He's small. Yao Ming is huge. And for many of you, maybe you grew up in the 80s and 90s watching action movies like myself, or maybe you lived here in California for a while, and you know the former action star turned governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Let's put him next to Yao Ming. <laughs> Look at this. The governor just shrunk a ton. Yao Ming is huge. He is a big dude. And Goliath was over two feet taller than Yao Ming. Let that sink in for just a minute and think about the presence that Goliath, Goliath must have had as he started to walk out from this Philistine army out into this wide open valley. Here he comes dressed in full armor, all walking out. I can just imagine that you heard like the clank and the thud of his feet and the armor hitting as he comes walking out into this valley. It says that he would walk out. He would stand there and he would look up at the nation of Israel up on this hill and he would issue this challenge. And out of this giant man comes a booming voice issuing a one-on-one winner-takes-all challenge. Send a man down to fight me. If he beats me, guess what? You win. But if I beat him, we win. You know what happens? The writer actually records for us what this did to the nation of Israel. It says, on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul, who was the king of Israel, and all of the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. In other words, they were scared to death and intimidated. I mean, they watched this giant and they thought, who's going to go against this guy? And they were scared. And for us, so often when we face the giants in our lives, they scare us to death and they intimidate us like crazy. And intimidation is one of the biggest obstacles for us as we face our giants. Intimidation is one of the biggest obstacles to facing our giants. So when we look at that addiction that's in our life and we say it's too big, I, I can't get through it. It's the fear that paralyzes us when we think of having that conversation and we say, I, I can't do it. It's, it's too big. It's the voice that comes back and says, you can't do it. You're not good enough. We face this intimidation, right like the Israelites. And as they sit there in their fear and being scared, what happens next is we see, see Goliath, not only did he come out and issue this once, but he would walk out into this valley. 
walk out and issue this challenge for 40 days. Morning and evening for 40 days days. He walked out. He took his stand right in front of this nation of Israel, and he issued this challenge. And I can just imagine, think about this. If you're in the Israelite army, what happens? It's the first thing you hear in the morning when you get up. It's the last thing you hear before you go to bed. This booming voice from this man defying your God, cursing your God, defying your army, saying, come on, won't you come fight? For 40 days. Can you imagine how the fear probably began to spread? The more times that this happens, somebody says, is anybody going to go? Is there anybody who will go fight? And this is what happens in our lives. This, this fear can begin to spread. The more that that giant keeps coming, and that giant will keep coming and keep coming and keep coming into our life. And your giants will keep taunting you until you have the courage to fight. Your giants will keep coming back every morning, every night. It'll be that depression that grips you in the morning and grips you at night. It'll be that fear that comes on you. It'll be that identity that you feel every meeting, every conversation you have with somebody that is empty. It'll keep coming back and coming back and taunting you until you have the courage to fight. Now here's the army. 40 days hearing this challenge. And now David comes onto the scene. David wasn't here with the army at this time, and it's not because he was a coward or scared. It's because he was young. He was a teenage boy. He was too young to be in the army. And where David was is he was back home with his dad, watching his father's sheep like most young boys did in this time. He's there out in the field watching the sheep, and his dad comes to him and says, Hey, David, I want you to take some food. I want you to go down. I want you to go to the front lines. Check on your three older brothers who are there right now in the army and come back and give me a report. So David gathers up the food, takes off down to go meet the army, and he heads out there, checks in, drops off the food, comes and finds his brothers, and he's there talking with everybody. And I imagine that the scene probably goes something like this. David's there, and he's talking, and all of a sudden he hears... He feels this hush just start to come across the crowd. You ever been in an environment like that? You know, like the room or the party where you're in and everybody's talking, and all of a sudden just the quietness comes across, and you're, the, you're talking, you're like, wait, wait, what's going on? You start to look around some, and then David's looking around, and all of a sudden he sees him. Here he comes again, walking across the field. This giant frame of a man, Goliath comes walking out, issuing his challenge again. Won't anybody fight? As we look at this, David begins to look around, and it actually says, the writer says that when Goliath would come out, everybody would flee. They would shrink back in fear because of Goliath. But David would stand there, and he would start to ask all the men around him. He'd start to say, hey, what's going to happen for the guy who will go and kill this, this giant, this disgrace of Israel? I mean, he actually says, who's going to go take care of this uncircumcised Philistine and kill him? I mean, try that in your next work meeting, okay? Like saying that to your boss or somebody. You know, who's going to go take care of this guy and, and wipe him out? David later finds himself before King Saul. 
And he comes in before the king, and I, and I picture this probably something like this, right? Uh, take one of our sixth graders who's in Ignite, our student ministry here, and he goes and walks into the Oval Office in front of President Obama and is like, hey, man, don't worry about them terrorists. I got this. <laughs> Let me at them. And that's basically what David does. He comes into King Saul and he says, hey, king, don't let anybody else be scared of this guy. I'll go fight him. And you know, this is what we see with David that was different than everybody else. Everybody else was shrinking back from the fight. Everybody else was falling back. But David ran to the fight. And when we're going to face the giants in our life, we have to be willing to run to the fight. But so often what we do is we find ourselves shrinking back, stepping back. We find ourselves paralyzed by the fear of what might happen. We find ourselves thinking it's too hard. Sometimes men, if we're honest, we find that it might be easier to just avoid it, to sit back and be a little more complacent. Man, I worked hard this week. I'm tired. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to talk through this with you. I don't want to deal with the kids. I don't want to go through all this. And I'm not saying this like I've never experienced it. I've got kids, man. I've been here. And it's so easy to slip back into our complacency, to run away from it, to not deal with it. But what if we began to think and began to run to the fight? One of the places I think giants so often live in our lives is in our relationships. You know, something happens inside of your relationship. One person says something about another. Expectations aren't met again. And what do we often do in our relationships is oftentimes we take it and we begin to sweep it underneath the rug we begin to stuff it in, and we just kind of like, oh, I'll push it down. I'll stuff it. But you know what happens is over time, these smaller things begin to build up. And these lead to awesome behavior, you know, like passive-aggressive behavior. And if you've ever been on the receiving end of that, you know how awesome that is. This also leads to that point, you know, that emotional explosion that comes out and blows up on everybody around? It's all because we began to take it and stuff it and not deal with it. And we ran away from it. But what if we began to shift? And what if we began to run to the fight? One of the things that we are trying to teach our three-year-old daughter right now is this three-word phase. Talk it out. Talk it out. And we tell her we are going to be a family that is going to talk it out. When we hit hard times, when, when, you are, when you disobey, when you disrespect daddy, when you get disciplined, it's okay because we're going to talk it out. We're going to process through it. We're going to work through it. And we're going to leave it behind so that when we walk forward together, we are not walking carrying this between us. But now we've left it because we are going to talk it out. And can you imagine, just think about this, if our kids from the time that they are preschoolers and elementary begin to understand that it is okay to not run away from hurt and pain and emotions, but it's okay to talk it out and run to the fight? Can you imagine the difference that it can make in their life down the road? I mean, think about it. In your marriage, in your school, in your friendships, in your relationships, in your work, what if we just began to be a people who will run to the fight and talk it out? The difference that it could make. And some of you today, you might be, listen to this, you might be one to two hard conversations, hard actions away from a breakthrough. It might only be one to two hard steps that you've got to just muster up the strength to take and walk forward that might be the breakthrough if you will be willing to run to the fight. 
And David was willing to run to the fight. He found himself talking to King Saul. And here is Saul. Once again, come back to the, the White House illustration. Sitting here and looking at this boy. I mean, what would you be thinking if you're Saul? If you're the president and you're looking at some teenage kid? Saul responds back and goes, man, you're too young, David. This guy, Goliath, this giant, he's been a warrior since before you were even born. And here's how David responds. Imagine this teenage boy just looking up and looking up at the king, saying, hey, king, your servant right here. I've been out watching the sheep. Do you know what would happen? A lion would come out and grab one of my sheep and run away. A bear would make his way out of the woods, grab a sheep and run away with him. And you know what I did? I grabbed my sling, slingshot, my staff, my knife, and I went after that lion. I went after that bear. And I struck him and I killed him and I took back my sheep. Brought that lamb back to the rest. And I want us to see what David says. He says, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Do you see this? David just looked back and he said, the same God who delivered me from the lion, the one who delivered me from the bear is the same one who will deliver me from this Philistine. You know what David did in this moment? He let his past victories fuel his future faith. And if we're going to face our giants, we have to be willing to run to the fight, but then we have to let our past victories fuel our future faith. To look back in our life, to look for those times where there was God's faithfulness, where God provided, where God came through, where we had a victory so that we can get to this point to be able to fight and face the giants in the future. But you know what so often happens for us is we remember our defeats and we forget our victories. We remember the time we screwed up. We remember the time we dropped the ball at home. We remember the time that we went on probation at work. We remember all of these different times in our lives, but yet we forget the times where God was faithful, where God delivered us, where we were victorious. And what if, what if we started to think of one to two ways that help remind us of the victories of our past so that it would fuel our future faith? A couple of things that I have done that have been helpful for me. Maybe this will help you. One is every year, in the beginning of the year, I go away and I sit down and I write out a summary of the previous year. Highs, lows, good times, bad times, the times where we struggled and the times where we saw God come through and do amazing things. And you know what that does for me? Is it recalls me back to those victories, those times where we saw that God was faithful. It, it brings me back to look through and realize, wow, I really have grown a lot more than what I realized because sometimes in our day-to-day, -day, we forget to look back and to see how far we really have come. And when I do that, it helps me be fueled for future faith. It helps me be inspired to say, okay, we can do this. One of the other things that we have done in our home, uh, my wife and I have created a faith wall. Just on one of our hallways, we put pictures up on the wall from times in our life and in our marriage where we saw God come through. On this wall, they're hanging some pictures. One of when we graduated from grad school, and as we both stand there with our graduation caps and everything on. But it reminds us of how God came through with 
scholarships that we didn't even know about to help us be able to graduate debt-free. There's a picture on that wall that hangs that has a picture of our packed-out Toyota 4Runner loaded down as we got ready to hit the road to ask people if they would financially support us so that we could go be part of a church on the West Coast that couldn't even pay us yet. And God provided. On that wall, there's a picture of our oldest daughter, Ella, when we brought her home from the hospital and we're standing in front of our front door. You know what it reminds us of? It reminds us of this crazy time when we had been trying for several months to get pregnant and it hadn't happened. And I'm out in some parking lot in Santa Clara and this random dude who I have no idea who he is walks up to me and says, hey man, you trying to get pregnant? God told me to come pray for you. I'm like, dude, I'm a pastor, and this is weird. <laughs> Seriously, God comes up to me, and he just says, hey, I, he was like totally normal, but he was like kind of weirded out too. He's like, I just, God told me to come pray for you that maybe you guys can have a baby, and so I just want to come pray. Can I, put, can, I can just, you know, pray for you? I was like, all right, man, but I'm keeping my eyes open because I don't know about this, <laughs> you know? So, so we're here, and he just starts praying. He just is praying this normal prayer. He's like, oh, God, would you just help, like, kind of the womb to open and then to have a baby and something like that? Jesus, could you just do that? Amen. You know, and, all right, man, hey, have a great life. Move back. He's, he wasn't even, he didn't live here, right? He moves back to Idaho or he goes back to Idaho or something like this. So, so he leaves. And do you know within a week my wife was pregnant? This picture hangs on our wall reminding us that God answers prayer. It's a sign of his faithfulness. It's a sign that he is there and that we can come back now and look at this wall and let our past victories fuel our future faith. And the thing that I think about for us and our whole goal with this is that our kids, as they grow up, that they look at this wall and they see all these pictures and they hear these stories all throughout their childhood of times where God came through. And as we add them together, as they grow up and the wall begins to grow, that they are seeing the stories of God working in our family, in our lives, right here and constantly reminded of it for them so that as they grow up, as they face giants in their life, they can look back and say, hey, the same God who was there for my family before I was even born, the same God who was there when I was born is the same God who will be there later on when everything else changes. He is the same God who will be with me. And we let our past victories fuel our future faith. And I know that some of you are here today and you may look back at your story and you're like, man, my story is terrible. You don't know the things I've been through. You don't know the, the mess that's in my past. And some of you may be new to faith and you're saying, I don't know what those victories look like yet. But here's the thing, for those of you who are new to church and new to faith and you are putting your faith in Jesus to say, hey, would you take my sin, Jesus? I just need you in my life. You can celebrate that that is one of the biggest victories in our life, that God has rescued you eternally. And that is a victory worth celebrating in our lives. Some of you, you may just have to look back and piece together the small things, the people who were there. The way that you got here to even be able to hear about how you could be connected to the God who created you and longs for you to be set free into life, into light. And you look back and you say, okay, these are my victories. This is where I start. And I will let them fuel my future faith as I run to the fight. And as Saul stands before David, talking to David and he hears all this answer from David. I mean, what, what do you say? Saul's thinking, I'm, I'm not going to go fight. Nobody else is going. He says, okay, David, I'll let you go. Puts his armor on him. And this is like, 
sixth grader getting into Shaq's jersey. You know, it's like hanging all over the place and not working for him. And he goes, man, I, I can't do this. And so he puts it down. He grabs his sling, grabs his staff, grabs what he knows, goes down like he had done probably many times before, down by a stream where there's nice, smooth stones. He grabs up five stones, puts them in his bag, and he walks off to go meet Goliath. Now, picture this. The armies are here. Goliath comes walking out, this huge man, and then here's this, like, this ant? Oh, wait, no, that's David. Walking out into the valley. And you know us men, like, we never have pride issues at all, right? And Goliath was the same. He never had any issues with pride. But then he sees this little boy, and he goes, oh, wait, what? You're here to fight me? You're just a little boy. You come at me like I'm a dog. You carry a stick out here. And this is where it starts to pick up a little bit because Goliath looks at David and he says, you know what? Today I will kill you and I'll feed you to the birds of the air. I'm getting a little intense, just a little bit. You know, sixth grade boy standing out here like, great, good talk. (laughs) But David doesn't respond that way. David looks back at Goliath. He says, you know what? You come against me with sword and with spear, but I come against you in the name of God, the one of Israel, the one who commands angel armies, the one who created this whole universe. That's who I'm coming in the name of. And you know what? I love this part right here where he says this. He says, today, this day, this day, this is where it gets real intense. Ready? I will cut your head off. Telling you, it's getting intense. And he says, and all who are gathered here, will know that it is not by sword and spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. That here, David says, look, you're coming against me with this, but everybody's going to know at the end of this whole fight that there is a God in Israel, a God who is in control, and it is not sword, spear, big people. It is not all these things that you have that win the victory, but it is God who wins the victory. Well, you can imagine how that set with Goliath. Come back to the whole pride man thing. Goliath is like, now he's ticked. And he starts to run down into the valley. And now David's like, Whoa, we're on, man. Let's do it. David runs down. He gets to the battle line. He stops. And like so many other times when he would face the lion and the bear, he reach in. He pulls out that stone. He drops it in the sling. And he starts to bring that sling around. And now just picture this, like you're, you're one of the armies. You're watching this, and you're seeing Goliath run, and you're seeing David got the sling going. And I just imagine that everything just goes into slow motion. You know, like you see the sling just starting to go around. <laughs> and then you've got the sling coming around, and with this forceful swing, here it goes. The stone goes flying. This is like the Hail Mary pass in the Super Bowl, you know, where like you're sitting there on the couch and all of a sudden now you're like this and everybody's just watching it like this and you're on the tiptoes, you're about to fall over, but you're like, you're going with the pass, you know, like you're traveling with it and they're traveling with the stone, watching the stone fly through the air as it just goes up and it floats, floats. Smacks Goliath right in the forehead. And here now is this giant of a man, knees buckle, falls down, hits the ground. And at this point, 
Goliath is on the ground, and David stands there. You know, David could have turned around and been like, I told you, <laughs> and just walked away. But you know what David did? He runs up to Goliath. While Goliath is laying on the ground, he pulls out this big, massive sword, and he takes it, and he cuts Goliath's head off. Now, some of you are in church, and you're like, this is a little weird, man. But let me remind us that this account is a war scenario. This is kill or be killed. And David is not waiting around to be like, is this dude going to get back up? I mean, he's like, I'm going to finish this thing. This is done, man. We ain't, we ain't doing David Goliath part two. So he runs up, grabs a sword, cuts the head of this giant off, finishing the fight and claiming victory. And for us, when we face our giants, we run to the fight, when we let our past victories fuel our faith, we have to be willing to finish the fight. So often, I can't tell you the times where I've talked with people, and they have this financial giant, this pitfall in front of them, and they go in to face it, and they start to work on their budget, but they never really finish the fight, and now that giant comes back and stands in front of their family and holds them in bondage. How many times have I talked with somebody who has struggled with addictions, whether it's alcohol, sexual, drugs, and they get in this place where this is a reoccurring sin or addiction in their life, and they start to take action against it, but they never finish the fight and cut the head off of it, and now it comes back, and it's still in their life. It's ripping them apart, ripping their family apart. How many times do couples start the process of restoring their marriage? They go to counseling maybe one, two, three times, but they never finish the fight, and that giant comes back and continues to stand there inside of their marriage wreaking havoc. We have to be willing to finish the fight. That it is a point where we say, whatever it takes, I will finish this. I will bury this. I will cut the head off of this giant that is in my life right now, and I will move past this. With God's help, I will finish the fight. When we run to the fight, letting our past victories fuel our faith, we have to be willing to finish the fight. You know, when I look back at my life, I don't have that crazy of a story. Some of you... Your experiences, the, the amount of hurt, the pain that you've been through is just so intense. You know, I look at my life and I, it's pretty stable. I had stable parents, grew up in a Christian home, always been a pretty responsible kid and teenager, never rebelled as a teen, never been drunk, never had a job probation, never had any of these crazy big things that some people have to deal with. And I don't say that because I'm like, hey, look at me. I'm like the poster child of goodness. But I say that to say this. Sometimes I just feel kind of normal. Sometimes I just feel like, you know, there's not really, like, I hear a message like this and I go, it's not really anything big in my life right now. But you know what? When I look back at my life, whether it's big or whether it's considered minor by whoever's standard, there are still times where I've had to fight where my life is going to go down a, one of two paths. And we all face this, where we have to decide which way am I going to let my life go. And there was a time in my life in high school and college where I had a problem with pornography. And let me just say this in the front end, any, any usage of pornography is a problem. And it's a growing problem amongst teenagers. It's a growing problem amongst women. And men are plagued by it. 
But God began to work in my life as I began to follow Jesus and I began to understand like this dishonors God, this is sin. And I knew that one day when I moved into marriage in the future, at this point I hadn't met my wife yet, that if I continued with this, that it would kill my wife and it would destroy my marriage. And men, maybe some of you who are dealing with pornography right now, you need to hear that, that it is killing your wife and it will destroy your marriage. I began to fight. Begin to fight and finish it. Get it out of my life. In my marriage, Kendall and I have decided from the very beginning that we would not go to sleep at night until we made sure that we were clear, until we had talked it out. And I can't tell you how many times we've been in the bed, the lights are out, and you're laying there, and you're just thinking it would just be so much easier to just go to sleep. I would just, I would just rather just sleep and not deal with it. That the lights have to come back on. I have to sit up in the bed and say, okay, we got to talk. And we fight because we want to talk it out and we want to keep it clear and we run to it. We don't sleep until it's clear. How many times, I had this time in, in a job that I had. It was a really difficult working situation, really hard job, stressful. And it would have been so much easier to go and to change and to do a different job. But you know what? I had made a commitment. I had made a commitment for in this job and I decided that I wanted to honor my commitment that I would rather fight through it and have integrity and character and fulfill my commitment before I leave. And I did. I fought. I fought to finish it. I fought to honor that commitment. And these things may seem like minor. Honestly, to many of you, this may be like a midget compared to your giant. But here's the thing that I know is that we all will face major and minor giants at some point in our life. And it is the minor giants that if we are not willing to fight and run to them now, that will later become the major giant that we'll have to fight. And some of you right now, you've been stuffing and running away from the small giants. And what they are doing is they are building into this bigger giant that's ready to come stand in front of your life and crush you. Crush your marriage. Crush your relationships. And the question for you today is, will you be willing to fight? It's not a tomorrow thing, it's a today thing. That we must be willing to face them today, to run to them now. And I want you to think about this. That one day, each of us in this room are going to die. I know it's kind of crazy, morbid thought. But hopefully when that day happens, you're in a room surrounded by the people that you love and that you care about the most. And as you sit there, let me ask you this. What do you want to say? Do you want to say, man, I wish I would have fought harder. What if I would have fought for my marriage? What if I would have fought for my kids? What if I would have fought that addiction? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if I would have fought do you want to go out with that or do you want to be able to say, you know what, man, I gave it everything I had. Man, we ran to the fights. We fought to have healthier relationships. We fought to have that marriage. I fought for my kids. I fought to honor and live for God. And I'm so glad that I did. I'm so glad. Because each of us will get to that point where that will be the story that we tell about ourselves or somebody else is telling about us. Which one do you want to sit in? You know, one of the biggest giants that all of us face is that of sin. And the good news for us is that Jesus waged war against sin. Second Corinthians says, for he made him 
who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. That what this means is that God would send Jesus, his only son, the one who is perfect, who had never sinned to come down, go to a cross to die so that our sin might be paid for, to wage a war against our sin. And because of that, if we would turn to Jesus, stop facing our giants and sin on our own, but we turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, will you take it? I will follow you. I will turn and live for you. If we will do that, that it says he takes our sin for us, that we become the righteousness of God. In other words, that we have this perfect standing now before God. And now when we face the giants in our life, we don't face them alone. We face them with God in us, empowering us, the Holy Spirit working through us so that now we can run to the fight. Now we can look back at the past victories and see the faithfulness of God and it will fuel our future faith. And now we can finish the fight because God is in us. And today we're going to do something just a little bit different as we wrap up our time. Some of you right now, the fight is real. The giants are real in your life. And we're going to have a song right now that our worship leader, Sam, is gonna sing. And during that time, there are tables in the front and there are tables in the back. And if you look, there are rocks on these tables. And this is what I wanna encourage you to do. Some of you, you have giants in your life that you are facing and right now, today is the day to fight. And will you be willing to stand up and step out even if nobody else will? To just come up, grab a rock, signifying that I will fight. I will face my giants. I will fight for my marriage. I will fight for my relationship with God. I will fight for my kids. I will fight for my school. I will fight in my job. I will fight. Maybe some of you, the call is to come up and grab one of these rocks to fight for somebody else. I think about this, like what if, for some of you women, if you came up and you grabbed a rock and say, I will fight for my man. I will pray for him. I will support him. I will stand by him. I will fight for him. And you may have some giants in your own. You can grab one of these. And here's the second thing I want to ask. I think that this is so, so important. Come up and grab a rock. Say, I will fight. But then within 24 hours, tell somebody. Tell somebody what you're fighting or who you're fighting for. And why this is so important is because that is the first obstacle, the intimidating obstacle is inviting somebody else in, but it is also the first step in going forward to face our giants. I'm going to pray for us, and then as Sam sings, when you're ready, you can come up and grab one of these rocks to signify that you're ready to fight. Let's pray. God, I'm so thankful that the victory is in Jesus that sin has been crushed and is gone and is no more for those of us who are turning to him. And I pray, God, for each person in this room that as they run to the giants that are in their lives and in their relationships, that, God, you would inspire them, encourage them, strengthen them, give them the courage they need to turn and to fight, knowing that it will lead to a better life, a better relationship. And, God, I pray... God, I pray that you won't let us leave today without dealing with this, without facing it. God, as we grab these rocks, as we put them somewhere on a dresser, in our car, somewhere that reminds us, God, I pray 
pray that it serves as a constant reminder that you have called us to fight and that you are with us no matter what we face. We pray this all in Jesus' name.